Hello again. This episode is basically a two-parter that begins with a lesson on focusing tips and then wraps up with a presentation of some motion shots by some guest photographers. If you recall in the last episode, I asked viewers to email me their images depicting motion, and I think you're going to be very impressed with this presentation. So let's get started with some focusing tips. Next to proper exposure, focusing is probably the most important aspect of taking a good picture. Simply put, if the focus is off, even a little, what could otherwise be a great photo, can be ruined. Ironically, focus is one of the biggest problems my students have. Often, this is because they don't know what to do to make sure that their shots are in focus in the first place, and they don't realize that their shots are out of focus until they view them later. I'm going to try to take the mystery out of focusing and give you tips on how to make sure all of your shots are crisply focused. In this shot, you can see the manual and autofocus selector on my D70, which you use to set one mode or the other. Notice that there's another focus mode setting on the lens itself. Toggling this switch to here allows you to shoot in both manual and autofocus mode, or here for manual mode only. If you're confused which setup to use, remember that your camera and lens must both be set in the autofocus mode for autofocus to work period. So the best default choice is to set your camera to AF and your lens to M slash A if you want to use both modes simultaneously and to M if you're going to shoot in manual mode exclusively. You also need to know where your manual focusing ring is on your lens because they all differ from brand to brand. On my Nikon 18-70 lens, the focusing ring is located here. Some other brands focus from the very end of the lens barrel, or maybe even somewhere else. Manual focusing is pretty much self-explanatory, and involves the shooter to view the scene through the viewfinder and turn the focusing ring on the lens until the focus on the subject is crisp. Autofocusing is a bit more complicated than that. It involves the ability of the lens to automatically focus on a subject by the use of a built-in motor that moves the lens elements based on the behavior of invisible light beams that are bouncing off of subjects in the scenes. There are several ways to adjust the autofocusing settings on most DSLRs, and it's a good idea to become familiar with them by reading your manual. Think of autofocusing as you would any other machine that is designed to perform a particular function for you. It usually does its job well, but there are times when it doesn't, because unlike humans, a machine can't think. For example, how many times has this happened to you? This is the distance scale. How many times has your lens gone in and out, in and out, back and forth when you're trying to focus on something in autofocus, and you can't figure out why you can't get it to focus on that subject? Well, there's a lot of reasons why this is happening, including there isn't enough light on the subject for the autofocus to work properly, or the subject is too close to the lens to focus clearly on the subject, or the subject is moving in the frame, and the lens just plain can't focus on a moving subject. There are other reasons as well, but the bottom line is what can you do to fix the problem? One, of course, is to simply switch to manual focus and focus that way. But let me present you with a way to fix one very common focusing problem while you're in autofocus mode. Here's my old wooden figurine that you may recall from Lesson 25. In this shot, I set up the figurine on a table, centered in the viewfinder, and put the lens on autofocus mode. Now keep an eye on the distance scale that I'm pointing out right here. 
Once I got the lighting right, I pressed down on my shutter release button halfway to engage the autofocusing function, and the lens immediately focuses on the figurine. And here's the resulting shot. It looks perfectly crisp, and I'm done. But what if I wanted to shoot the figurine off to the right of the frame? Well, let's set that up and see what happens. I'll move the figurine to the right, but keep the camera aimed in the same position. You've probably created this scenario yourself while shooting people or objects, when you don't want them to be in the dead center of the composition. Now, when I use autofocus to focus on the scene, the lens zooms out to infinity because the figurine is no longer centrally located. So the lens focuses on the closest object in the middle, which would be the background. So if I go ahead and shoot this, here's what I get. An out-of-focus figurine. So what can you do to avoid this from happening? Well, of course, as I said before, you can switch to manual focus on your lens and focus on the object on the right. In reality, this is probably what I'd do, just because I can be assured that my focus is good. But another thing you can do is lock in the focus in autofocus mode so the lens stays focused on the centrally located object. To do this, you first position what you want to shoot in the center of the frame like this. Next, push the shutter release button halfway down and the lens will move into focus. Now, without removing your finger from the shutter release, recompose the scene with the subject to the right or left of the center and you'll notice that the former focal point remains locked in so that when you release the shutter, the subject is crisply focused. Another variation of this is to use the autofocus auto exposure lock button located here on my Nikon D70. In addition to locking in the focus, it will also lock in the exposure of the scene. It also allows you to remove your finger off the shutter release button while recomposing your shot, but you must keep the AFAE button pressed down as seen here. I need to mention some other possibilities when it comes to focusing adjustments on a DSLR. You can custom adjust your focus area on many models of these cameras, which allows you to choose what area of a scene is included in the focus mode. These include a single focus area in the center, a dynamic area, which focuses on several different areas of the scene, and the closest subject area, which focuses as you would expect on the closest subject to the camera. Honestly, I rarely use these custom settings because I hate fiddling around with things like that when I'm shooting but I encourage you to become familiar with the focusing features of your particular camera and use whatever makes you feel the most comfortable. Personally, I use manual focus a lot because I can't always trust autofocusing. It doesn't always work the way you want it to and you don't realize it until it's too late. Of course, I'm from the old school photography when you didn't have a choice but to focus manually and that may have something to do with my paranoia. Here's another tip for making sure that your shots are in focus. Get in the habit of reviewing your shots after you take them on your LCD monitor and zoom in on the image to see if it's crisp. My D70 is a pretty small monitor and I've gotten in the habit of doing this out of necessity. But no matter what size monitor you have, the closer you view the image, the better you can see any flaws that may be there. Speaking of crisp focus, it's now time to check out a few of the motion shots submitted by some of the show's viewers. This first shot here is by Rodell Binoro, and please forgive me if I didn't pronounce that correctly, Rodell. Rodell says he's basically, and I quote, wet behind the ears when it comes to photography, and has just been using his new DSLR since January of this year. He has titled this shot of a ladybug, Lift, 
and it was taken in his backyard with his Canon 40D and a 28-135 mm lens. It was a handheld shot at 1 200th of a second at f5.6 and ISO 400. Riddell says he did minor exposure corrections in Lightroom. I like this shot because not only does it focus on the ladybug and its intricate wing spread, but the background is completely blurred out, allowing the viewer to focus mainly on the main subject. Not a bad shot for someone who says he's wet behind the ears in photography. This next shot by Rodell of a local carnival ferris wheel was taken at one eighth of a second at f22 ISO 400 with a Canon 24 to 70 millimeter lens. I love this example of blurred motion, and what makes it so wonderful is the radial symmetry of the ferris wheel and the excellent use of color throughout the composition. I also like the way the inner and outer circles are non-concentric, which emphasize the feeling of motion. This last shot by Rodell is from the 2009 Bay Area Classic Yo-Yo Championship. It is a handheld shot of first place winner Tsubasa Onishi with a Canon 70 to 200 millimeter lens at 1 500th of a second at 3.5 and ISO 100. This is a really great shot, not only because of its excellent composition and timing of the moment, but the way the spinning blurred motion yo-yo contrasts against the seemingly static nature of the champ and the rest of the scene. Rodell, I think you've gotten off to a great start with that new camera of yours, and I thank you for sharing these wonderful images. This shot of a motorcycle was taken by Mike Knott at Road America during the AMA races. Mike says he bought a photo pass and therefore had excellent access to the action. He used a Canon Digital Rebel XT with an 80 to 200 millimeter lens and believes the exposure to be around 1 800th of a second at ISO 400. He caught DeSalvo's bike just as flames were shooting out of the exhaust pipes, which adds to the feeling of speed in this excellent frozen motion shot. Note how Mike's long focal length and appropriate f-stop enabled him to focus on the action and blur out the background and foreground in this great shot. A nice example of a blurred motion shot is this one by Ben Oliver of the UK. Ben shot these light trails in the Somport tunnel between France and Spain using his camera resting on the dashboard of the car. Ben assured me that he wasn't driving at the time, which is a good thing since the exposure was 10 seconds long. What makes this shot interesting is the way the lines of light converge into the vanishing point, emphasizing the feeling of depth. Nice shot, Ben. A rainy day in Cleveland's Little Italy helped allow Eric Lammers to take this last shot at just the right exposure to produce the ghost effect of a car in motion. With his ISO rated at 100, a 6 tenth shutter speed at f7.1, both the car and Eric's camera shutter were traveling at just the right speed to barely record the image of the moving car and keep the remainder of the scene static. This is an excellent example of a still camera's ability to record things that the human eye can't see. I'd like to thank all of the contributing photographers for sharing their images in this episode. I'm really looking forward to producing my next show, which will feature the winning images in this year's annual photo contest at the school where I teach. Be sure to check that one out because you're going to be amazed at the talent of these young student photographers. In the meantime, have a wonderful holiday, and thanks for making Photography 101 the top photography podcast on iTunes. See you later.